0: Hello, I'm Dee Decker, Director of Communications at Beargrass Christian Church, and I want to say thanks for listening. We are currently in a sermon series called Lost and Found, which runs through the end of October. In this series, we focus on stories from Luke 15 through 17 and continue to think about what a spirit-filled, spirit-led life looks like. In this week's sermon titled Lost but Finding Our Way Home, we look at the story of the prodigal child. To go along with our Lost and Found theme, we also dropped a bonus episode today, The Enneagram and Finding God with Nina Maples. Nina is a certified Enneagram instructor, spiritual director, and retired minister. You won't want to miss our conversation about how the Enneagram has led her back to a deeper understanding of God and others, and a path to finding her true self. In this first episode, we unpack what the Enneagram is and how it can help you find Your true essence. The episode, as I said, dropped today, and part two of our conversation will drop October 25th. This week's text is the third of three lost and found parables in Luke 15, and I wonder if we've heard the third parable so often that we cannot hear it anymore. What is Jesus trying to tell us about God? Who is the prodigal and who are the prodigals in today's news? Also, does this story inform what we celebrate and affirm on World Communion Sunday? Here now is Dr. Lee Bond.
1: First, uh, before we get to the text today, I want to express our deep gratitude to St- Stephen and Meg and our children uh, for doing a wonderful job of leading worship last week. And if you were here, you couldn't help but put a, a broad smile on your face as uh, as you shared in in uh, that service. The enthusiasm and joy and uh, were uplifting. The messages uh, they shared through uh, words and music were meaningful and were. Or grateful to God for these uh, present and future uh, members of the church. So uh, we are blessed in so many ways uh, through the uh, joy of our little ones. Uh, today, we get back uh, to our sermon series, Lost and Found. Uh, this will run through the end of October, and we're focusing on uh, three chapters from Luke 15, 16, and 17. And we're thinking about uh, what a spirit-filled, spirit-led life and uh, community look like. And today's text is the third of three lost and found parables in Luke 15. Uh, Luke links these parables together on purpose, I'm sure, to skillfully reinforce the message that uh, is shared. This is great news, good news. Uh, They're often mislabeled by their negative uh, rather than their positive messages, uh, but that's, uh, that's a mistake because all three stories end with what? Celebrations. They end with parties, and so there's wonderful news here. But, but today I wonder if we have heard this third parable so often that we cannot hear it anymore. I didn't even have Susan read the whole thing. It's supposed to go from 11 to 32 in Luke 15. I only took a couple of parts of it because I figured you already know it. You could tell the story uh, very easily. But can we hear it again? What is Jesus trying to tell us about God? Who in the story is the prodigal, and is there, is there more than one? And who are the prodigals among us uh, today? Certainly we can come up with some ideas along those lines. And is it possible that this story, this parable today, can inform and affirm what we do uh, on this World Communion Sunday around the table here? Speaking of tables, let's reset the table in Luke 15, we need to get back to what prompted these three parables. The opening verses really seem inconsequential and appear to be, you know, something we can pass over quickly. Uh, We find out Jesus's audience is composed of two distinct opposing factions. Hmm, what does that sound like? Well, our political situation today. So, all right, we can connect there. And the sinners, one group, listen to Jesus. And the religious folk do what? Grumble, the text says. Now, can you believe that any religious person would grumble? Anybody? That's. I'm, there's there's got to be a mistake. Damn, you know, third everyone can quickly jump in on this story with at least one of the characters and probably more in the story. We become then participants in the plot. And so time after time, this story hooks us again and again. And I think as we move through the stages of our lives, it speaks to us in different ways. And I invite the Spirit to move you to hear this story uh, in a new way today. Let's uh, ponder the parable again. Um, Again, you know it well, and we try to come up with different angles as preachers (laughs) to try to help you hear the thing again. But uh, one of our choir members, uh, Becky Greenwell, many of you remember families here today. uh, But some years ago, she shared with me uh, what was what's called the prodigal son in the key of F. Some of you have heard this before. You'll you'll know why it's given this particular title very quickly, but here, listen to the story. Feeling footloose, fancy-free, and frisky, this feather-brained fellow finagled his fond father into forking over the fortune. Forthwith, he fled (laughs) into foreign fields and frittered his farthings, feasting fabulously with fair-weathered friends. Finally, facing famine and fleeced by his fellows in folly, he found himself in a feed-flinger in a filthy farm lot. He filled his frame with foraged food from fodder fragments. Phooey, my father's flunkies fare far fancier the frazzled, fugitive-fumed, feverishly, frankly-facing fact... Frustrated from failure, he fled for his family. Falling at his father's feet, he floundered forlornly. Father, father, I have flunked and fruitlessly forfeited family favors. But the faithful father, forestalling further flinching, frantically flagged his flunkies to set forth the finest fatling and fix a feast. The fugitive's fault-finding frotter, faithfully farming his father's fields for free, frowned at this fickle forgiveness. His fury flashed, but fussing was futile. His foresighted father figured, such filial fidelity is fine, but what forbids fervent festivities? This, This fugitive is found! Let fun flow freely. Former failures are forgotten. Forgiveness forms a firm foundation for future fortitude. <laughs> Isn't that fantastic? <laughs> Another way to hear the story. Very creative. And don't we all love happy endings, right? Don't don't you love happy? Well, no, not everybody does. If if we listen to the story, the brothers not really anyway. We can find a place in this story. But I think, you know, the reality is that uh, too many people in this world today get stuck in the sty. They get stuck. Many, many parents in every echelon of society wait and worry about a son or a daughter who leaves home and wanders into the far country. It can happen in any family and nothing will tear your heart out like a child who leaves and is not heard from again. Some parents watch helplessly as a child slowly becomes addicted to drugs. Some watch helplessly as they see a child enter into a destructive relationship or you know, end up in jail. It's, you know, most parents and grandparents can appreciate the agony of the father in this story. Sometimes even... If the child is home, the child can be lost. That's why this story still speaks to millions of people today. It hits home at the very heart of what family is all about. And, and there, as you know, there are so many places and ways to get stuck in the sty now. I was struck by a series of editorials and articles recently. It just happened over a two- or three-day span, but it was like, bam, bam, bam. You know, human trafficking is rampant. Not not just globally, but right here in this community, 40 million victims caught up in human trafficking. The Me Too movement has dramatically raised our awareness about Things that trouble our hearts. Nationwide, over 80% of women and over 40% of men have reported experiencing some kind of sexual harassment or assault. Staggering. And, And some people cannot go back home because of that. Some people cannot go back to work because of that. But more people are becoming empowered to come speak out and seek justice and get help. We, we were shocked to hear in the news about the military. That the suicide rate continues to increase among our troops. Many of these are veterans who are struggling with PTSD issues. And one official said, we're trying to let these folks know that seeking help is not a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. Angie Ferguson wrote about mental health in, in the workplace. She said, in our country... Almost 50% will experience some kind of mental illness in their lifetime. Workplaces, she says, that prioritize mental health and higher uh, uh, mental well being have better productivity and, and workers feel a better sense of morale and well being. And then, and then this, this headline really caught my attention. Steve Austin is the author of a book called From Pasture to a Psych Ward. Is that what's going to happen to all of us? I don't know. But I I read it. But he spoke of the apparent heartbreaking suicide of a pastor in California, Jared Wilson, who is a prominent church leader and advocate for mental health and well being, but uh, who took his own life. And Steve asked, How do we deal with mental health in the church? You know, he suggests pulling our support groups from the basements of our churches and putting them in the sanctuary. Because some churches will say, you know, come as you are, but don't really mean it. Suicide is the second leading cause of death for Americans ages 10 to 34. It's heartbreaking. There's something wrong here. And so he says, much like the psych ward, Christians with mental illness are looking, looking for a welcoming spiritual community. Jesus welcomed people to come without pretense. It's time for the church, he says, to provide a sacred place to lay down our burdens and tell our stories. That's why this parable, that's why this parable is still so powerful and important. People who get stuck in the sty need to know. They they need to know that there is a way out. They need to know that there is a way home. They need to know that there is a God who is eager to welcome us. At some time in our lives, we have known or will know what it means to be lost. And there are all kinds of ways that that happens these days, and we can, we can get lost as individuals, as groups, as churches, as as countries, and I think that's why this parable today is so appropriate on this World Communion Sunday. Some of you know the history and background for this celebration. Of course, Jesus started it almost 2,000 years ago, but someone in our country recognized the need to try to bring people together after the World War. And so in 1936, the the uh, attempt was made to invite all Christians from any background to to select one weekend, the first weekend of October, <laughs> when they would have communion. Now, we have it every week, as Daniel mentioned earlier, but you've been to churches that have it when? You know, once a month, once a quarter, whatever. But Christians around the world today are gathering for communion to recognize the big family. And, and that's really important for all of us. The dream is to, to set aside a common day for our common union. And, and this worldwide celebration connects all of us spiritually, just like the worldwide net connects us digitally and electronically. But what a, what a remarkable vision to come home, to come home to the table again and, and to hear the call to, to all, but certainly to hear that personal invitation, come home. Come home. A young woman named Autumn shares her story a little bit about her faith journey. She, her father was a minister. Any, any other PKs in the room here? Uh, Autumn, early on, got the message that uh, as a pastor's child, as a PK, she was supposed to be what? Perfect. Perfect. I'm a PK. I lived in the fishbowl for a while, too. I know. But she felt she was never good enough. She felt she was never good enough in the eyes of the church family. She never felt like she measured up to her parents' expectations. And so she began to rebel against the church, against her parents, against her family. And in her late teens, she was living on the streets. She uh, spent her nights partying, began to experiment with drugs, slept around, Sometimes she would dare to slip into her parents' worship service. She would come in late, sit on the back row, and then get out so no, no one would catch her to talk to her. But she ended up getting pregnant, bottomed out, decided to go back to her parents. And she expected what? She expected a lecture, at least, shame, condemnation. Dirty looks, gossip, but she was surprised, delighted, full of joy to be welcomed back to that church, welcomed home by her mom and dad. She says, The bottom line is that I came back to my family and God because I discovered that they loved me with no strings attached. She said, I thought I could do something that would make them disown me, but I was wrong. I was so wrong because they forgave me, and they welcomed me back, and they loved me. Autumn had the opportunity to experience the joy of coming home. And that's what I hope today we'll hang on to. Don't forget The end of the story, the joy that comes from repentance, the joy that comes from reconciliation, the joy that comes from reunions. Got a video to show you. You may be one of millions who've already seen it, but I think it's a wonderful description of the joy we experience when we come back together. Let's see what's up. the adorable video of toddler besties that's melting hearts across planet Earth. I don't don't know, my night is complete. (laughs) The video captures two-year-olds Maxwell and Finnegan running towards each other, arms wide open, in their New York City neighborhood. They meet in a great big hug. You
0: are just adorable.
1: Maxwell's dad posted the moment on Facebook. This is just so beautiful, if we could all be like this. The hug is clearly striking a chord. It has millions of views. The boys met one year ago and have become inseparable. They hold hands whenever they're together and even have their own language that no one else understands. Mm-hmm. Mm. hmm mm mm My friend, my friend, think about your own life. Who could those children represent for you? Maybe it's reconciliation between people who've been estranged enemies. You know, maybe the reunion of newfound or long lost friends. Maybe the reunion of a couple who's grown apart. Maybe a reunion with a parent or a child or a mother or father, or a son or daughter, or maybe maybe we experience that kind of joy when we are welcomed home by God.
0: We hope you enjoyed this message from Dr. Bond from our Lost and Found series. In upcoming sermons, Dr. Bond will be examining finding our priorities, our faith, and finding gratitude. Thanks for listening, and we'd love to see you around the table at either our 9 or 11 a.m. Sunday morning worship services. We're located at 4100 Shelbyville Road in the heart of St. Matthew's. You can find all of our worship times, location, and upcoming events on our website, www.beargrass.org. Remember to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. And if you like what you're hearing, you can hit the donate button. All gifts go to further the mission and ministry of Beargrass Christian Church. Until next time, peace.